0: All right, welcome listeners. Um, today we have a fantastic guest here for you, Professor Wayne Lavender. Wait, Wayne, thanks for coming on.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, I'm glad to be here.
0: Greetings everybody. <laughs> Wayne, um, can you talk a little bit about yourself and what your experience is um, in politics and maybe in international relations too?
1: Yeah, so my career has taken several turns. So I was ordained as a United Methodist pastor in 1984. I served churches until 2005. I was always involved in local politics, getting to know the candidates, uh, writing letters to the editors in the various churches I served, and making sure that our church was involved in community affairs. In 2005, in the midst of all the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, I felt a call to work for peace and justice because the wars were going very badly and our country, I thought, was heading in the wrong direction. So I left the church I was serving in New Milford, Connecticut, I wrote my first book, I went back to school, earned my PhD in public policy. Uh, soon after that, I moved to the Middle East because I had always wanted to uh, see what it was like to live there. I lived in Iraq for a year and a half, got involved in politics there working with the Kurdish regional government and working for peace and justice initiatives. And what I found was, you know, working for peace is not as easy as it sounds. Mm. There's a lot of people who are in very invested in the war industry. Either personally or for profits, or part of their identity. Like if you lost a dad or a, a, a spouse or a child in war, you want to make sure that person's life was was worth something, was meaningful. So there's a lot of people who really want to continue to support the war-making industry. So I so I established a foundation for orphans as a way to build peace and to help mitigate the orphan pandemic around the world. So
0: yeah, you mentioned um, Foundation for Orphans. Um, you mentioned how people are personally invested in wars. Do you think the two parties in America have done enough for orphans abroad for um, you know, implementing peace across the globe?
1: Well, a quick answer is hell no. <laughs> Politics in the United States now is pretty broken. It's a very toxic time the most toxic time in my life. Now obviously it was broken in the Civil War days. That was North against the South. We're broken now families and communities and towns and universities. We're really caught up on uh, who's gonna control, who's gonna run Congress, who's gonna be in the White House. It's Mm -hmm. really we're almost becoming a parliamentary system rather than the past. But because issues and we have only limited attention span, you know. So I would say US right now is suffering from a really small attention span. We get all caught up in COVID and so during the pandemic we almost forgot that there was a crisis going on in Syria. Mm. Now we have enough time to look in the news and see there's a war in Ukraine with Russia, but we don't see the overwhelming poverty around the world and the extreme poverty, the number of deaths, the deaths from these wars, the deaths from extreme poverty. You know, we all just want to be uh, narcissistic in a way, focus on ourselves, what's going on in the news, what we can control. We can have a major impact around the world, but right now we're a minor player.
0: It's interesting because today we're probably more connected to the rest of the world um, than ever before, but like you said, we're not hearing about these issues and we're not talking about these issues. At their dinner table, is it just Americans being Americans? Is there something we can change about the mindset of the people here?
1: Well, I think all humans are by birth or by whatever uh, a little bit xenophobic, right? So we we see what's in front of us, we see the news, we talk to our neighbors, we see what's happening locally. You know, I've lived all around the world. I've lived in Iraq, I've lived in Africa, I've visited Asia and Central and South America. People there are focused on their same issues as well. They, they they focus on their own politics, their own candidates, their own things that are running. But they have you know, a lot of people have a better global sense than we do. America's at the top of the heap right now. Europeans know more about American history than we know about world history all combined, you know. They they're worldwide people. They've got a world view that's kinda of cosmopolitan. Whereas I think Americans were much more small minded and concerned about what's happening in your own backyard. America first. America first. That's, 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 what that's the slogan. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, America should be first, but the rest of the world should be second, shouldn't be like America first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight, nine, with the rest of the world 10th. You know, we are part of a global community. And as the leader of the world, you know, the United States, we're still the most dominant nation in the history of the world. Are you guys all listening out there hearing that? We we still have, you know, a massive GDP. We have the largest military in the world, bigger than the rest of the military of the world combined. We have a huge cultural impact with with our music, with Hollywood. You know, we we basically are the most important nation in the world. We have so much potential to change the world for good rather than just, you know, this this capitalisms, out-of-control capitalism, and striving for more and more money in the almighty dollar, I would say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, we know that you know, maybe the results of this midterm election might affect those issues that you talked about. They might not. Um, what else is at stake this political season, and do you have any thoughts or predictions
1: on how the midterms will
0: shape up?
1: Yeah, so I don't know anything uh, more than anybody else. Hmm. my assumption, my guess, is that the Democrats will hold on to the Senate, which, you know, it's 50-50, so they lose one seat, they lose it. My guess is they'll hold the Senate, maybe even gain a seat. And the prevailing opinion, I think, is still the case that they'll lose the House. So it's still a month away. A a lot can change. You know, right now, things change week by week. So the Democrats might have peaked too early, maybe a month ago, when they were able to get a bunch of... uh, uh, legislation through the Congress, that Biden was able to sign. They're still trying to ride the wave of the Supreme Court overthrowing Roe versus Wade. We don't know the impact of that. But I see right now Saudi Arabia is cutting back on oil production, two million gallons, uh, two million uh, barrels. So gas prices will probably head back up. This is the worst time for gas to go up, I mean, right before the election. Oh yeah. So that could swing people. And pe- people are gonna blame Biden for the gas prices. Is that fair? You know, the president's yes and no, right? There's a global uh, inflation going on right now. Inflation is worse in Europe, worse in all parts of the world. So you can't really blame Biden for the inflation. He has a role in it. You know, as a president, they always take the blame or the credit for a good economy. But if gas prices go up 50 cents a dollar between now and election time, it's pretty clear the Democrats lose the House, possibly the Senate, and then we'll be in for a, Uh, you know, an interesting two years where I think Biden will be a lame duck and and not able to pass any legislation and the toxicity in D.C. will just get worse.
0: Yeah, things certainly do change week to week. They even change day by day. Um, Just yesterday, Biden pardoned all federal offenses for possession of marijuana. Is this a good thing?
1: Is this um, going to help the Democrats? Is this going to... What is this going to do? From my perspective, it's a good thing. I think uh, decriminalizing marijuana makes sense. Uh, I, I I always tell this story. I've never I never did any drugs in my life, illegal drugs. I used to pass uh, marijuana joints from one friend to another in college. Oh, you exactly. that? And and I I might have been high because the whole room was high, you know. But I wanted to do it so my kids wouldn't use drugs. I always want to say I never did drugs. Well, my kids use drugs like champions, you know. So it didn't work at all. But I drink. I drank in college. I still drink alcohol. I think there's more alcohol-related illnesses and deaths and damage than marijuana. Uh, well, you can't delegalize marijuana in states around the country and then have people in jail for doing things ten years ago. It's a pretty non-aggressive uh, form of crime. I think it was a good decision. I I don't think it's going to move the needle much. You know, if if you're not already set in who you're going to vote for I, I i think the people who are supporting that are are going to they're already democrats they're already supporting biden there aren't many independents or people down the middle say oh now i'm going to vote for him because he has changed and you know done this pardon. yeah i think it's just not going to i think the price of gas will do more right. i think roe versus Wade will do mm. roe versus wade would do more
0: i have one last question i want to get in for you um being a pastor and being a progressive
1: is that um a contradiction, do you feel? Well, no. I think almost all the pastors I know are progressive. What gets the news is the Christian right. right. The Christian right are on the news the most. And I think the Christian right are wrong, right? I'm allowed to say that, I have my opinion. The Christian right uh, are right the are wrong, The okay. Christian right are wrong. Uh, they are wrong in so many things, and they've given a black eye to Christianity. So the Bible tells us to care for the orphan, the stranger, and the widow. So you think about that and think of the hatred that we're seeing from the Christian right, the anti-immigrant, the racism, the pro-war coming out of the Christian right. Those are none of the things that Jesus stood for. So in my most recent book, I have a whole chapter on the Christian right and really a scathing attack on the Christian right, who I think are there for, for the wrong reasons. They're for their own money, their own power, their own relation to to power and influence. So um, all the clergy I know, personally not all of them, but the m- m- great majority are progressive. I think if Jesus were alive, he'd be progressive. Of course your very next guest could say the opposite. <laughs> we all allowed to our own opinions yeah. on this. But I think as a Mediterranean peasant who talked about Uh, the poor, and caring for the poor, preferential treatment for the poor, I think that Christians could, should, and need to be progressive, and need to make the world a better place. An
0: interesting take. Um, Before we say goodbye, I want to hear you talk about your new book.
1: (laughs) So my new book is titled Dante Redux. In the year uh, 1300, uh, Dante, the great Italian poet, wrote a book uh, called... um, the the Divine Comedy. A a third of it was about Inferno, his fictional journey through hell. So my book, Dante Redux, is a retelling of that where I cast uh, the Trump administration and his enablers into their own fictional hell in which uh, they suffer for the crimes they committed. It's a parody. It's a spoof in many ways. It's filled with dark humor But it comes at the center, I think, of theology with this concept of heaven and hell and a judgment and politics, looking at the crazy four-year term of Trump and the reign of error and terror that he did. So it's it's a book, I think, that will make a lot of people very happy because, as you read, it's almost like therapy, you know? We all live through this. But I know it also will lead to a lot of anger and frustration from the other side who still hold up donald trump in this cult that i think he he stands for now i'm saying this on your podcast i don't ever say this in my classes yeah. you know so those of your students out there you, you can still get a a good grade from me uh if you have a different uh, political position
0: as they should as they should i remember i remember taking your class and um there were there were whisperings of that but that was that was quieted after the first set of grades went around so oh good Wayne, thank you so much for coming on. It's my out pleasure.
1: Today. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your beautiful weekend. Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode, a production of QU Podcasts. I'm Matt Harlick, and our producer is Grace McGuire. Our videographer is Tyler Salter. Our, and our social media coordinator is Olivia Geckler. Music from Free Music Archive. Be sure to follow us, American Midterms, on Instagram. See you
1: next week.